Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. I'm going to start today with something that I was studying yesterday. I hadn't planned on this, which I've gotten pretty used to. But I want to talk to you for just a moment about the six basic human needs. How many of you know what the six basic human needs are that God created within us? We all have six basic needs. And if those needs aren't met, then there's a hole in our soul. Follow me? Anybody know what the six basic human needs are beside me? All right, well, now you're going to know. Number one, and you should guess this one, love. Love, why? Because God is love. And we have been, if you're born again, you've given your heart to Jesus, you're recreated in the image of God. You're going to want to write this down or put it in your phone. Because to be whole, all six of these needs have to be met. So number one is love. You probably could have guessed that one. Number two is security. Security says, I have a place and I refuse to be displaced. That's what security is. I have a place. I have a place in this world. I have a place in life. I'm secure. I think almost all women would readily agree with that need for security. I need financial security. I need love security. Secure. I need identity security. Number three, recognition. Now, that doesn't mean praise you. Recognition means somebody knows I'm here and cares. Somebody knows I'm here. We all need a God-given recognition. Because you see, we have a legal right to these things. But if we don't know what our legal rights are, we won't go after them. I've taken defensive driving one time in my life, which if you saw me drive, you would absolutely believe me. But the only thing I can remember, beside don't drive drunk, and since I don't drink, that's never a problem. But the one thing I really remember so clearly is ignorance of the law is no excuse. If you've ever been stopped and, and the police officer says, you were going 55 and a 30. If you say, well, I didn't know, do they excuse you? No. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. Well, the same works with the word. If you want to know your legal rights, it's your and my responsibility to find out what those are. Number four, self-esteem. What is that? I have value and I'm worth it. In fact, I have value and I'm worth a lot. That is a basic human need to know you're valued. I minister to women all the time. And I would say the majority of them have very little, if any, self-esteem. And if I were talking to husbands, I would remind them, you are your wife's mirror. Very often, a woman will see herself the way her husband sees her. Number five, basic human need is expression. And this is so important. 
Expression says, I get to say how I feel and be accepted for it and not rejected. I have a legal right to express myself. I mean, isn't it so painful when you just express how you feel and somebody shoots you down and tells you why you shouldn't feel that way? Why does that make you feel so horrible? Because it is a basic human need to have expression. And the sixth one is new experiences. Something that makes you happy. Now, while that might be a trip around the world, fully expenses paid for, let's face it, most of us will not get that. I was reading, oh, I don't know where I saw it. Could have been on social media. I don't do social media that much, but I think, I think it might have been on social media. Oh, yeah, in fact, it was. Somebody had seen Jeff Bezos. Is that his name? So who is that anyway? Is that the Facebook guy? Amazon. Oh, duh. That's why I'm a disciple. <laughs> yes, Amazon. And they saw him and some friends or family taking off in this brand new Gulf Stream, something or another. And they were going to plant a clock in some mountainside that is going to be just a tourist attraction. And the question is, how many of you would go see this clock? in the mountainside. Not me. (laughs) But a new experience, something that makes you happy. Every year, my family and I take a vacation. Every single year, we go on vacation. My husband said the other day, are we not going to get to do that this year because our granddaughter is getting married at the end of June? And I said, oh, no, we will. I don't care if it's two, three days. We've done this for years. We're going to do it. You know why? It's a new experience, and it makes all of us happy. Six basic human needs. If any of these are violated, there's going to be a hole in your soul. To be loved, to have security, I have a place. I have a place. Recognition, somebody knows I'm here and cares. Self-esteem, I have value and I'm worth it. Expression, I get to say how I feel and be accepted and not rejected. And number six, new experiences. So I just wanted to begin with that because I want you to ask the Lord, are these six basic needs met in my life? And if you're married, sit down with your spouse and just say, and talk about this. I mean, with not, let me make it clear. Don't sit down with your spouse and say, you're not meeting my six basic human needs. Because I have good news for you today. Your spouse is not your savior. I do a lot of counseling. One of the number one things I tell people all the time, fire yourself from being the savior. You're not your spouse's savior and he or she is not your savior. And they can't fix you. But sit down with your spouse and just say, if I'm not fulfilling these needs, show me how I can do better. How can I love you better? How can I make you feel more secure? How can I make you know I'm here and I care? How can I build you up and not tear you down? How can I listen better? How can I listen better to you? Express yourself. And what new experience can we have together that will make you happy? Okay? So don't make it about them. I mean, do make, excuse me. Make it about them, don't make it about you. There you go, all right. So today we're gonna just talk for a few minutes. I'm going to give you a lot of scripture and then we'll break. We're going to talk about the faithfulness of the Lord and here's why. I've really been seeking the Lord about some things and the Lord began to speak to me and I, I don't think I was really prepared for what he said. 
But what the Lord revealed to me, and I'm going to prove it to you biblically, is that a good majority, if not all, of our temptations are rooted in one thing, attacking the faithfulness of God. That's what happened in the garden. Has God really said? Can it be that God said? What was he doing? He was bringing a question regarding the faithfulness of God to Eve. And the Bible tells us that she was deceived. And she gave that deception to her husband with her. Now, Adam wasn't deceived at all. He was just too busy drooling over this perfect woman that no longer exists. I can't even imagine what Eve looked like. But, you know, I met with with a a dear woman yesterday who is very involved. I'm not going to tell you her position. I don't have permission to do that, but I'm going to have her come speak at some point. But very highly involved in tissue and organ donation. And when she was offered this job, this real high-level job, I mean, I I just sat there and cried over the stories. I I just did. I mean, (laughs) to give such life to somebody else. And she showed me the brochure, and on the cover are organ recipients and the people that have donated their loved one's organs holding the picture of the person who gave so that someone else could live. It, it was precious. I, I, was, I was a mess. And then talking about the honor walk and, and how hard that is. Everybody know what the honor walk is? It's, it's when they're rolling in a body to retrieve their organs. The whole staff lines up. To honor the life that they lived. If you've never seen it, Google it. It's I mean, it'll just tear at your heart. And so anyway, she asked the Lord, do I take this position? And it was specifically tissue donation. Now, not a medical person, although, you know, I act like I am because that's what know-it-alls do. And, um, but tissue would be your bones and your skin and your cartilage as opposed to an organ, your liver and pancreas and and those things. And so her position is more in tissue. And bones are considered tissue. And when she asked the Lord, should I do this thing? He showed her that he was the first one to retrieve tissue when he opened Adam and took out a rib and fashioned woman. And I was like, wow, how did I miss that? When somebody's going into surgery, I always pray because God gave the first anesthesia, didn't he? He caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. I always pray, Lord, surpass that which is natural for the supernatural and cause to go into their veins what you put into Adam. Always pray that. Because if you've ever had surgery, you know that intubation and the the anesthesia is the closest you'll come to death and still be alive. And then, but I didn't realize, wow, you were the first surgeon. And Adam was the first tissue donor. Isn't that powerful? I just thought that was beautiful. And anyway, it has nothing to do with what I'm teaching. But But you go back to the garden and every time the enemy questions the promises of God, he's challenging his faithfulness. And so today, I just want to encourage you in the faithfulness of God, whatever you're believing for. But first, I'm going to give you the definition. 
The Hebrew word for faithful means fidelity, stability, steadfast, and true. The Greek word means reliable, trustworthy, persuaded, and full of faith. It literally means full of faith. If you look it up in the dictionary, faithful means a firm adherence to the promises, the full, fullness of faith, and steadfast in allegiance. Reflecting on my sister's life toward the end of her life, she would call me and she would say, Sandy, I just need a mercy drop today. And I would feel that desperation and I would have to stabilize and ground myself to not enter the this, this same fear and desperation. And I'm not at all negating the suffering because she was suffering horribly with level 10 pain. But she would cry out for a mercy drop. But I want to tell you something. I don't want a mercy drop. I want a dump truck. Whenever anybody, the blind, the Syrophoenician women, when they cried out for mercy, Jesus always delivered them and healed them. He is a faithful God. Well, why don't we see it all the time? I really don't know. I'm only responsible for me. I can't be responsible for everybody else. And neither are you. Do you know why? Because I'm not the Savior. And neither are you. We have a responsibility to go before the Lord and make Him Savior and Lord of our lives. And I see people wear themselves out, wear their hearts out, literally, to where they need heart surgery and heart procedures and anything else you can think of, blood pressure medication, you name it. Because they have worn themselves out trying to save people that don't want to be saved or that want a quick fix. When do you hit rock bottom? You hit rock bottom when you quit trying to be the Savior and you reach out to the one who is, the one who is faithful. Years ago, I've told you this before, but it's going to be in a different light today. I was really struggling as to whether or not I was to continue to do what I'm doing. I really thought because of some things that had happened and, and uh, various other things that I was done. And I was okay with it. In fact, I wanted to be done. You ever been there? And so we were going on our yearly family vacation, and I just said, I don't want any calls. I don't want any text. I just I want to be alone with my family. At the time, my youngest grandchild, Adeline, was an infant. And I remember we were all, everybody was on the water. They were out in the boat and doing whatever you do on a boat. And um, I said, I'm going to take the baby in. She's she just can't be out in the sun like this. And so I went in. I was by myself with her. I was just holding her. And I had really been seeking the Lord for wisdom. And, if you know, the Bible says if you ask for wisdom and you don't doubt that he will give it to you liberally and without reproach. And so I had been seeking the Lord for days for wisdom. And I said, Lord, I will do whatever you say. And I learned from one of my mentors 50 years ago, 50 years ago, I was brand new Christian. And it was a woman I just admire just so much, I can't begin to tell you. Godly woman. Her name was Rosemary Jensen. I don't know if she's still alive. Uh, I don't think she is because she was in her 50s, and this was 50 years ago. So she could be, though. And she said this. She had a decision to make. And she said, this is what I've learned whenever you have a decision to make. 
And I don't mean what am I going to have for dinner. I mean a decision that can affect your life. She said, if you just say, Lord, I'm willing to do it, and I'm willing not to do it, you will never make a wrong decision. And that's what I did. I said, Lord, I am willing to stay, and I'm willing to go. You tell me what to do, I'll do whatever you say. And so I'm sitting there in the chair, I'm holding the baby, and I hear, it wasn't literally an audible voice, but it was an audible voice on the inside of me. I heard two words. I had no doubt I'd heard the Lord. And those two words were remain faithful. Remain faithful. And I right away, oppression lifted. The clouds went away and I could see clearly. You know, like I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. I can see obstacles in my way. I always want to sing that, but I'll spare you. And so... I heard that and I knew, but sometime later, my belief system was challenged. Now, I have several letters in my Bible or in my journals, FBS, false belief system. And whenever the Lord reveals to me a false belief system in my life, such as I'm the Savior and I'm going to save someone, I mean, I can give you truth, I can give you a rope of hope, but I can't make you take it. I can offer you wisdom, but I can't make you take it. And neither did Jesus. Every miracle involved, listen, the free will of someone else. Every, you do it yourself. Research the gospels. Every single miracle, almost without exception, the only one I can think of possibly would have been the widow of Nain when her only son was on the burial thing and Jesus raised him from the dead. It doesn't say, but I mean, we don't know. I mean, she could have had plenty of faith. I have no idea. But you know, you're not even, the Bible doesn't say, by faith are you saved. Did you know that? It says, by grace are you saved through faith. What does that mean? Grace is the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, accepted in heaven on the mercy seat of God. Grace is unearned, undeserved, unmerited. There's nothing you can do for it. But faith receives the grace. So by grace, you are saved through faith. Because ultimately, I have to be the one to take the grace. That's where your faith comes in. People get confused. So, Years later, when this was challenged, the Lord spoke to me and he said this because I was just hearing this is not going to happen. It, was a, it, regarded a pro, it regarded a promise of God to me. This is not going to happen. I was having all these temptations. You've all been there. I'm sure you have. When it just doesn't look what, like whatever God has promised you is going to come to pass. And that's where I was. And the Lord said, would I tell you to remain faithful to me and not be faithful to you. Well, slap my face. And that's where most believers fail. Because we think and present before the Lord how we've obeyed. And we've done this and we've done that. And I've done all you've asked me to do. You know, Jesus said, when you've done everything I asked of you, then say I'm an unworthy servant. I only did what was required of me. But we just think we are just so good and so upright. 
And that, that negates grace. So let's search our hearts for any questioning of God's faithfulness today. This may not apply to you, but I bet it does. And let's move forward because I'm telling you, I'm to the place in my life where denial and delay is unacceptable to me. It's unacceptable to me. And that's all there is to it. We've labored long enough. And in Hebrews 4, it says, here's the labor of a believer, that you enter his rest. What does that mean? It means his works were finished before the foundation of the earth. And I am just going to labor to enter into his finished works by grace and by faith. I'm going to receive it. That it's a now word. Can you take now for an answer? I can. After I had, um, several years ago, the little hospital visit, you, you remember the story. I'm not going to go into the whole thing, but severe reaction to an anesthesia that ended me up in the hospital for four days, some of which I was in ICU intubated after a seizure. And I did not have my full mental clarity for about a week, which for me is huge. I mean, I don't even have any comprehension of people that take drugs. I don't. I am way too in control for that. And my motto is control what you can. And so the, the, the thought of not having full mental clarity is just repulsive to me. You know, people talk about being on a high. I don't want to be on a high. The Bible calls us to walk on stable ground. I want to walk on stable ground. Even when I see people that have miracles and divine things and they're so excited, and I'm excited for you, but I'll tell you what, I have purpose to remain stable. I'll be excited, I'll clap, I'll rejoice, but I'm going to be stable. Because you get up on that high, I mean, let me give, let me give you a biblical example. Some of you are looking at me like, what? Moses, how many of you have built an ark according to heavenly specifications because it's going to rain and flood the earth, and there's never been a drop of rain on the earth. And however long it took to build the ark, everybody's down there mocking you. Hey, Noah, you're an idiot. And then you get two of every creature and bring them on the ark. Can you even imagine the smell? And then it rains for 40 days and 40 nights, and you watch people drown, and you can't do anything to help them. And then finally, the olive branch comes on the dove and the ark lands on, on, lands on Mark Ararat. And they're safe. Moses and his family are safe and the animals. By then, I'm sure they'd propagated some of the animals. They, two rabbits get on and probably, you know, at rabbits. Aren't they the most prolific creatures or something like that? So God only knows how many rabbits get off the, the boat. And so here's Moses. He has this huge victory. And then what happens? He didn't stay stable. He gets drunk. I mean crazy drunk. And he strips naked and shames himself. And two of his sons, Shem and Shepheth, cover the dad's nakedness. And Ham mocks him. And Ham got, Ham got in trouble. But he had this big victory. So I always tell people, when you have the high and you have the victory, ground yourself. Ground yourself. So anyway, I didn't have mental clarity, but I did question, just telling you the truth. I said, God, I don't understand why this happened to me. I don't understand why you let it happen to me. I'm just being honest with you. Don't tell me you've never 
thought that because you're lying. And one of our ladies who used to be here, Teresa Jones, she's now moved to Corpus. Out of the blue, she didn't know what I was going through. She texted me. She said, Sandy, I, I was inquiring of the Lord about what happened to you. And she said, I just want you to know God got mad at what the enemy did to you. And he gave me Psalm 18. I'm going to read a couple of verses. This described me. The cords or bands of death surrounded me. The streams of ungodliness and the torrents of ruin terrified me. The cords of the grave surrounded me. The snares of death confronted and came upon me. In my distress, when seemingly closed in, I called upon the Lord and cried to my God. The last thing I ever remember before I was unconscious was screaming with any trace of strength I had left. Jesus, why won't you help me? I remember saying that. Jesus, why won't you help me? And the next thing I knew, I woke up in ICU. And I saw my family come running to me. And my daughter, who's a nurse, denies this, but I know what I saw. I saw myself outside of my body. I literally did. And she tried to explain to me in medical terms that that's a phenomenon. I thought. And I said, no. I saw my body on the bed. I was laying on my left side. I had my arm up like this. I was squeezing the pillow like this. I mean, I'm describing what I saw outside of myself. And then all of a sudden, I'm, I'm back, and the, they ran up to me. Apparently, it was like for the fifth time because I had awakened several times. And asked the same question, what am I doing here? Go home. And so, but in my distress, I called upon the Lord. I called upon Jesus. And listen, he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him into his very ears. And there went up smoke from his nostrils. And lightning out of his mouth devoured. And he sent out his arrows and scattered. And he flashed forth lightnings and put the enemy to rout. And he brought me into a large place. He was delivering me because he was pleased with me and delighted in me. And I'll never forget that because when she sent that to me, she said, God was so mad that smoke went out of his nostrils. Pow, I regained the clarity of my mind. The word of the Lord will do that for you. I was reading in the back, Hebrews 4.12 in the message. And it says that the word of God is sharper than any surgeon's scalpel. I love that. I just love that. So hear me loud and clear. Every fiery missile that comes at you has an attachment you know how you do an attachment on your emails? It has an attachment questioning God's faithfulness. Oh, God, did I marry the right person? Did I miss you? Did I choose the wrong job? Am I still supposed to be doing this? Why is the doctor's report still what it is? Why hasn't my financial report changed? Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Questioning God's faithfulness. Why has what I believed you for not happening? And I, I saw specific arrows of faithfulness attached to many of your children. Many of your children. And God wants to deliver your children from whatever they're going through. Every time I go through a trial where I begin questioning the faithfulness of God, I've read this scripture to you many times. It's one of my life verses, unfortunately. Jeremiah 15, 18 and 19 and 21. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable refusing to be healed? Remember in Jeremiah questions God, will you be to me like a deceitful brook and waters that fail? And God said to Jeremiah, if you return and give up this mistaken tone of distrust and despair, I will again give you a settled place of quiet and safety. 
And if you separate the precious from the vile, cleansing your own heart from unworthy and warranted suspicions concerning my faithfulness. Always the enemy goes after the faithfulness of God. Because what is that when you question his faithfulness? You're saying God's a liar. He doesn't keep his promises. He doesn't keep his word. I'm telling you, when you don't see the promises fulfilled, there's always a reason. And it's usually something here. So I want to give you a few scriptures, several. And I hope that you will lay hold of these. Psalm 91 1 and 2 in verse 4 says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall remain stable and fixed under the shadow of the Almighty, whose power no foe can withstand. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His pinions. Under His wings you will seek refuge. His truth and faithfulness are your shield. His Faithfulness is a shield. The truth of the word and his faithfulness in the truth are your shield. So what happens when you take down the shield? Pow! Do you see? The Bible says, as spiritual armor, lift up the shield of faith. Well, that's the same word, faithfulness. Lift up the shield of his faithfulness. In which you quench all the fiery missiles of the evil one. When I was a young woman, 20 years old... I had just given my heart to the Lord. I lived in College Station, Texas. I was a senior at Texas A&M. And yes, we are losing. And my husband was um, in graduate school getting his master's in accounting. And so I remember driving into Bryan. And I found a little hole-in-the-wall Christian bookstore. Didn't even know they existed. And of course, now they don't exist anymore. But we didn't have... Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all that. And I go into this little bookstore and I see this little book and it's called El Shaddai. And it was on Psalm 91. And I bought it. I still have it today. And it answered every concern and every fear I had ever had in my life. And still does to, to this day. And I hope, this is something I do, I pray Psalm 91 over my family every day. I hope you do that as well. But it's not too late. So as I, I prayed and prepared this, I was particularly impressed regarding the Lord for breakthroughs, but particularly for your families and your children. So I'm going to go through these scriptures and read them, and, and I hope you'll put them in your phone or write them down. Because you know what? Hearing something once is not enough. The Apostle Peter said, I'm going to stir you up by way of reminder, even though you already know this. The Apostle Peter said that. You already know it, but I'm going to stir you up. Ready? Let's go. Exodus 34, 6. These are only some of them, by the way. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God, merciful, gracious, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, faithfulness, and truth. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know that the Lord, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love and mercy with those who love him. Are you ready? To a thousand generations. Mamas, grandmamas, what if you believe this? That he's a faithful God who keeps covenant. You can establish that promise to a thousand generations. 
Where would we be today if our ancestors had believed that? Well, I'm believing it. I'm the generation that starts the thousand generations. If Jesus tarries, and I'd appreciate it if you didn't, Lord. Deuteronomy 32.4, he's the rock. His work is perfect. All his ways are just. A God of faithfulness and without injustice. Good and upright is he. Psalm 25, 5 and 10. Guide me in your truth and faithfulness. All the paths of the Lord are mercy, love, truth, and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant. Psalm 31, 23. Love the Lord, you his saints. The Lord preserves the faithful. The anointing of preservation for the faithful. I love it. Psalm 33, 4. The word of the Lord is right. All his work is done in faithfulness. Psalm 36, 5. O Lord, your mercy extends to the skies, your faithfulness to the clouds. Psalm 54, 5. He will pay back evil to my enemies. In your faithfulness put an end to them. Psalm 69, 3. In the multitude of your mercy and abundance of your loving kindness, hear me. And in truth and faithfulness, answer me. Psalm 91, 4. I read his truth and faithfulness are a shield. Psalm 92, 14 and 15. The righteous are living memorials to show that the Lord is upright and faithful to his promises. Psalm 100 and verse 5, the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. His faithfulness and truth endure to all generations. I want you to notice something. Faithfulness and truth are power twins. They always go together. Psalm 119.90, your faithfulness is from generation to generation. Psalm 138.2, I will worship toward your holy temple and for and praise your name for your loving kindness and for your truth and faithfulness. And this is one I bet you all know. Lamentations 3, 22 and 23. It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness we are not consumed. His compassions fell not. They are new every morning. Say it with me. Great is your faithfulness. Hallelujah. Isaiah 38, 17 through 19. It was for my peace that I had intense bitterness. For you have loved my life back from the pit and nothingness. You've cast all my sins behind your back. For the dead cannot praise you. The, the death cannot praise and rejoice in you. They who go down to the grave cannot hope for your faithfulness to your promises. The living, the living, they shall thank and praise you as I do this day. And the Father shall make known to the children your faithfulness and your truth. I tell my children about his faithfulness all the time. On Thanksgiving Day, I just remember I put my phone away. I didn't care. Everything I needed was in that, that room. And I looked at my family. And all I could think of was how faithful God is. Great is his faithfulness. I've stood on his word, his grace, his truth. Because of grace. You see, I can't stand without grace. None of it is about me. It's just all about the faithfulness of Jesus. So let's read a few New Testament scriptures and then we'll quit. 1 Corinthians 1.9, God is faithful reliable, trustworthy, and ever true to his promises, and he can be depended on. What about 1 Corinthians 10, 13? For those of you who are saying, I can't take any more. 
No temptation has taken you that is not common to man. But God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able to endure. But will with the temptation make a way to escape so that you can endure it. Now let me tell you that Greek word, way to escape. That that Greek word escape means a safe landing place. You might not get out of the temptation right away. But he will give you a detached view where you can look at it with perspective and hope and know that it's going to be over. Every storm has an expiration date. And many of those storms expired today, if you were here during worship. 2 Corinthians 1, 18 and 20. As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what he says, our message has not been yes, that means no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, was not yes and no, but in him it is always the divine yes. For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their what? Yes. For, for this reason we utter, amen. One Thessalonians 5.24, faithful is he who is calling you and he will do it. He will fulfill his call by hallowing and keeping you. 2 Corinthians 3.3, the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen you and set you on a firm foundation and keep you from the evil one. There's a good promise to take hold of right there. Hebrews 3.6, for Christ was faithful over his father's house as a son. And now we are members of his house if we hold fast and firm to the end. Hebrews 10, 23, let us seize and hold fast and retain without wavering the hope we cherish. For he who promised is faithful to his word. Listen, this is enough to ground you in the word. What about, oh, but you don't know how many wrong things I've done. I have good news for you. 1 John 1, 7, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You have a clean slate, a clean slate. The father sees no wrong. It's washed by the blood. He looks at you and he says you are without fault. Revelation 1, 5. Jesus Christ, the faithful and trustworthy witness to him whoever loves us and is once and for all loosed and freed us from our sins by his own blood. And here's the last one I'm giving you. There are many more. Look it up yourself. Revelation 19:11. After that, I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse appeared. The one who was riding it is called faithful and true. It's his name. Is it no wonder the enemy comes to steal it? I had the privilege a few days ago of having a beautiful woman in my home who saw her 27-year-old beautiful daughter depart from earth and go to heaven recently. 27 years old. And I cried with her. My heart hurt for her. She told me something I don't think I'll ever forget. This 27-year-old, first of all, she said, you, don't, you never met her, but I want you to know she held you dear. She said during COVID, it was her daddy and me and her. And, of course, we were shelter in place. 
And she said, that's when you went online and started doing Facebook Live. And she said, every day the three of us sat there and watched you. And you encouraged her so much. And of course, I was so honored. So blessed to hear that. And she said she really loved you. But this was her motto every single day. And I've made it mine. Every day she would say, Lord, how can I make somebody's life beautiful today? What if we all live that way? Lord, how can I make somebody's life beautiful today? And I said, well, I'm putting that in my phone because I want that to be what I say. And then I met with a friend who, who does grief counseling. And I didn't know this. Probably the rest of you knew it. And then like a dodo bird, I was sharing it with my daughter who was a hospice nurse for many years. And she was just shaking her head because, of course, she knew this. But, you know, you've all, you always hear about the five stages of grief. And she said, well, that's a theory. And she said, but we prefer, and it was, I uh, can't remember the lady's name. Her last name was Ross. I remember that one. And she describes three stages of grief. And what I really remember was the last stage. And the last stage is, how am I going to move forward? What am I going to do with what feels like a horrible loss and a hole in my heart? Am I going to walk out the legacy? Am I going to forget? What am I going to do with this? I know what the second one was. Yes, I do remember now. The first one, some of you might want to know this. The first one was to process the pain, to let yourself feel the pain. And I was telling her about my experience with my sister and how last November, a year ago in December, I spent a large amount of time alone in my literal closet on the floor sobbing. Because even though everybody else thought it was the medication making her so sick, the Holy Spirit was telling me differently. And I wept and I cried and I mourned and I grieved. The second stage was detach. By the time she actually passed, I was already there. And then that third stage is moving forward. And, and it's a different time for everybody. Everyone's different. I know that, I hope it's okay if I share this. If it's not, then slap me. But Delinda is in the process with two of her friends of making an album. Is it okay if I share this? You sure? Because I already kind of did. And it's a legacy album, right? Her father was a very well-known worship leader. And didn't y'all travel the nation? You, your sister, and your daddy? Did your mama go too? Did she sing? Okay, so the four of them. It was Delinda, her sister LaDonna, who's in heaven, her mother, who's in heaven, and her father, who's in heaven. And they went around the nation. I've seen the album. Remember, some of you younger people, 33 RPM. Now they have them back again. And they're called leathers or vinyls. What are they called? Vinyls. It's ridiculous. I don't know why we got rid of them in the first place. And I was really upset because I gave away all my Beatle albums, vinyls. And so they're, she's, they're making a legacy album. What is she doing? 
she's moving forward. What are you going to do with an earthly loss? Let's move forward. I'm, I'm taking my sister's generosity. Rick said at the funeral, because I told him, you had to be very careful if you admired something in front of her because you'd find it on your doorstep. And my grandchildren know if they ask me for something, they're going to get it. If they come over to help me, I'll slip them money. And my daughter Katie is, don't pay them. I go, I'm not paying them. I'm blessing them. They're not asking for anything. But I want to be Mimi Kloss 365 days a year. And next year, 366 days. I think we're leap year next year, aren't we? So I just want to conclude by just saying, make somebody's life beautiful every day. And tell them how faithful God is. Lord, I just thank you. Your name is faithful and true. And I ask you to cleanse our hearts of all unworthy suspicions concerning your faithfulness. To recognize the voice of the accuser, of the adversary. And to put him in his place. I don't speak Spanish. But I just heard that loud. And who speaks Spanish? Isn't it silencio? Is that how you say it? I heard that. Say it. Silencio. Well, without the accent. Silence. Silence the voice of the accuser. In the name of Jesus. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.